This is a podcast for those who suffer, which is everyone. It's a space where we can speak honestly about what it feels like to be in desolate places without losing hope. Welcome to In the Thicket. This week we're talking about the experience of when loved ones suffer. Each of the three of us has had experiences of somebody who's very close to us, who's undergone or is still undergoing a lot of suffering. So we talk about what that experience is like, what is really difficult about it, what can help us in that experience, and where we found the Lord, even in those times where we feel so futile to be able to alleviate the suffering of one that we love. We hope that it's helpful for you. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Hello. Hello. Hi. Hey. I realized I'm like thinking of saying hi to all of you listeners and saying how's it going and realizing that you maybe can't say back to me. But anyways, virtually, you can send us a message and let us know how you're doing today. That's yeah. right. um, or you can yeah. say it out loud to the air. That's fine. That's true. And if you just mm-hmm. automatically did that and you're like, oh, good, then yeah. that's probably a bit weird, but that's great. Okay. No. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're on like public transit and you're listening in your earphones and then you're like, good. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I'm going to be honest. Oh, I'm just gonna say. Okay, I'll go. I just, I was just gonna say, if anyone in real life, like if someone says, "How, how are you doing?" You go, "Good." They'll be like, "That's a little weird." I mean, yeah, that you clearly are doing really well, but it, that's true. Yeah, it weird. Or you're compensating. <laughs> right. You're really like, not doing like that. you are really not, but you just really do not want anybody to know that you're a basket case. Could be, could be, could be the case, you know. No, we're all basket cases in some way, but anyways, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm Nicole Richard, and these lovely ladies are. I'm Erin Kinsella, and I'm Rachel Desita. It's great to be with you again on yes. our podcast. Thanks for listening. Um. How are you ladies doing? Rachel, how are you doing? I'm well. I'm in Texas, which um, uh, like I got here a couple weeks ago and I talked about it, I think, in one of our episodes already. But it's been cool because this week I kind of got more acquainted with the community. I've met some young adults in the area, just kind of, you know, I'm going to be here for three months. So it's kind of nice to just settle in a little bit. So it's been fun. No cowboy hat or cowboy boots yet, but I have had brisket. Mm. Oh yeah, and it was amazing. It was amazing. I, it was because yeah. I'm in Tennessee, and I didn't really have brisket growing up at all. No, me neither. And, and then I've had it here once or twice, and I've just been like, oh, yeah. It's, like, it's good yeah. when it's done right. It's done. Right. It's done well. Is everything bigger in Texas, Rachel? Do you find that portion <laughs> sizes and <laughs> you know what? I feel like okay, so. I'm in a smaller town in Texas. I haven't had like a big city Texas experience yet. I will say the brisket experience was kind of like an everything's bigger in Texas moment because we went to this kind of hole in the wall in the country place that's like known for its brisket. And it was amazing. Like the guy was so welcoming and stuff like that. And he like, I can't even describe how different of an experience it was. I just, it was like another country that I was in. And then he, so we get to the counter and he takes the tray, like a lid off of this like tray where the meat is. And he pulls out this giant like chunk of like brisket. Right. And then he cuts it for us. And then he just literally puts it on a tray. Like, you know, like a food court tray. Yeah. Like he literally just put meat on a tray. Like it was like, (laughs) 
This is it. And because it's that good that you like, you don't need to dress it up at all. You could just put meat on a tray and people will line up for it because it's really, really good. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe Jordan Peterson should move to Texas then because I hear he's on the carnivore diet. Oh, is he? He should then because it's where it's at. It's where it's at. Yeah. I do remember uh, getting McDonald's for the first time in Texas when I was there. So for for those who are listening, I was in Texas for eight months um, when I was doing some grad work before. And the first time, yeah, I had McDonald's there. I was like, this is bigger. This is this large is larger. Like, right. It's, am I crazy? But apparently it's true. So yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So fun thing. The day that this episode comes out is the day of my convocation from St. Augustine Seminary in Toronto. Yay! Which is super fun. So that's that's like all the stuff that's going on with me right now because I um, was very grateful to be asked to give like a, a little... Um, address on behalf of the students of the Institute of Theology or whatever. It's something they started doing uh, at the thing. So that's fun. And then I'm going up with a friend to Toronto. We're going to stay like a fancy hotel and I get to see a friend and her new baby. And yeah, so it's fun. So when you hear this episode, I may have convocated is that <laughs> I think so I, I may I think that's right graduated yeah I'll just say I may I'm, I'll be graduate that's you will be a master that's right theology that's right that's, that's right. the important thing that's right and we'll just have to always call you master Aaron after that yes I would I hadn't informed <laughs> you guys of that yet but I'm glad that you're willing that's nice yes. you're good friends. at least of course <laughs> yeah sweet how about you Nicole how are you been doing good I'm um this is completely sort of changing subject, but I've been um, watching the Marvel TV show Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, I love that show. We're like, I started it, I don't know, several months ago. Oh my but gosh. It, I've just been like enjoying it and watching a lot of it, you know? Oh my gosh, Nicole. I'm almost finished all seven seasons and it's going to be like, okay, after I finish Marvel, I mean, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I need to work on my PhD, you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay in between finishing agents of shield and working on your phd can we just do like a sub in the thicket episode that's just like just the two of us just breaking down agents of shield because it's just a popular tv show that i swear to you there's been moments or some episodes that are so good that i've literally had like theological reflections about them it's not even like high literary stuff but just yeah, what is this evil. about i've not even heard of this is it so, on Netflix? I'm glad you asked. Um, <laughs> well, it's okay. So, you know, all the Marvel movies, right? Yeah. And superheroes and such. Um, so, Agents of Shield. Remember, there's a character called Phil Coulson who's like, he's S.H.I.E.L.D. and he's always trying to prevent the Avengers or different people. I don't know. I'm trying to remember who he's in the movies now. But, anyways, he's kind of like trying to protect the Earth from any alien or weird stuff, which sometimes yeah. involves Avengers. So, they kind of sometimes work together and sometimes they're a little bit odds. Okay. So it's basically a spinoff of that character and his like team that are always trying to protect okay. the world from various strange things. Okay, sweet. Oh, that's good. That's good. I like. Aaron's like okay, nice. That's I honestly nice. like superhero stuff. <laughs> I'm just like um, I get you. Yeah, like that's most know. of my family except for my brother and I. We're like, yes, let's go. Let's watch it's it. It's like animated movies. Yeah. You guys give me flack for not those. watching the animated Sorry. stuff. I don't like them. 
that's it, you know? It's animated. It's not animated. Well, it's probably actually heavily animated because aliens. Right. But, um, yeah, I think, you know, it's funny. I was always kind of like, like, man, I just, the, my genre, the genres of TV or movies that I like is heavily, like, action or like, a lot of superhero movies or stuff that's really light and very kind of, like, not that deep, you know? That's but then so I was funny. talking with a colleague who's, she's a clinical psychologist and she was like, yeah, you know, I only watch like Marvel or like stuff that's not too deep. Cause my whole job is like, you know, receiving the emotions and the deep depths, deep right. stuff. Of, you know, I can't relax to dramas or things where it's more emotions. And I was like, yes, this is me, you know? Yeah. So, think, so I'm very, you know, okay. You know, speaking of, well, actually, there's not really a good segue. I was trying. To... <laughs> Speaking of, what about deep interior pain? I, yeah, that's what I was kind of go, gonna go with. But then I was like, that's kind of like our whole podcast, you know? Yeah, <laughs> that is true. Pain. Our topic today. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But yeah, our topic today is, I guess, a little different, but definitely still valid. But um, it's, you know, the suffering that comes when you're walking with somebody else who's suffering and, and probably someone who's close to you, you know, now we've done a couple episodes on accompanying others in suffering and, you know, how to do that well and how to, you know, what not to say and, and those kinds of things, but that's not really what we're focusing on here. This is more of, um, you know, how, how being with somebody when they're suffering and walking, walking with somebody on their journey can actually cause like us suffering too you know mm-hmm. um and how do we how do we go through that so um maybe we'll start with uh with Aaron um and just to share you know what's what's the situation that you've been in where you've been walking with with someone who's suffering and we'll each share um, yeah yeah so um I did I did ask permission from my sister to share uh, because I didn't want to come in and like bear all of these like very deep parts of her life without getting that permission. Um, but she, it's been a really rough f- couple of years for her because she had, um, she just had a really rough pregnancy with my youngest nephew, who's almost two now. And, um, and the, after this like rough pregnancy, then she had a C-section and then after that, she had some complications and she had this emergency surgery where she almost died. Um, she had um, like a, uh, issues with wound care stuff. And so she was like, she had like a, a vac dressing and like all of these things, like a lot of suffering in that six months after surgery of, of having that wound even heal. Um, and also during that time, she had just pain. So she's had now this chronic and ongoing pain for almost two years that nobody has really, like, she hasn't really been able to get anybody to, to look at it because it's hard to get into specialists and pain clinics and things like that. So it's been really hard for her. And then she also, um, recently, uh, finally got a diagnosis of PTSD for all of the things that she went through Mm -hmm. with, um, with my, my nephew and that's related directly to healthcare settings. So it's like every time she needs help for something or she's like really struggling and she has to go to the hospital, it's like the most triggering place for her to be. So it's like this, it's like she needs to be there and go, but at the same time, it's incredibly hard and causes her suffering. Um, and so for, for me, that's been like, like I've been, um, 
like really directly supporting her in a lot of things. So from the time when my nephew was first born and I would living, I was living in Toronto still at the time and I would come to Ottawa and like take care of this newborn and then bring him to the hospital to see her. And it was like back and forth. Um, and that was really hard. And then also this long kind of drawn out wound healing and then now trying to access services for like mental health. And, um, and she's, she's just suffering. Like she's suffering a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's been so slow to get any kind of anything that will be really helpful for her or to be able to find the right people or talk to them. And in the meantime, she's like suffering, but then she also has the added thing of like mom guilt. So if you're a mom and you're listening, like, um, like Kelly has explained it to me a number of times is because she, she feels like she should be doing all of these things for her kids and she is doing all of these things for her kids, but then she feels like she's doing bad. Or if she, if she needs, um, I don't know, extra support or she can't do something that she feels like she should be doing. It's like the guilt there is so immense because there's just these little two guys that need a mom and she struggles to like do some of the basic mom stuff, you know? Yeah. So, um, so that's been my experience the last, the last couple of years of being with her through all of that and the hospital visits and all of those kind of things, um, which has been really, which has been really hard. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Rachel? Yeah. I, for me, I would say primarily my sister as well, which I didn't need permission because she literally did an episode with us. So if you (laughs) want to know my sister's story, you could listen to, um, it's called life's U-turns and we did an episode with her last um, last season. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I think for me, so she has, uh, unexplained autoimmune illness that has resulted in several and like full-blown anaphylactic attacks where she's almost died and been hospitalized. And I think the hardest part for us as a family is the, the not knowing. So she's been relatively well in the sense that she hasn't been hospitalized and at death's door, for a number of years now, which is great, but there are daily complications that came with it in terms of her exhaustion, her capacity to do different things and mm. lots and lots of doctor's visits. And just, it was really, I mean, it still is really hard in some ways. I would say God has been very, very good to us in giving her, um, situations. Like she moved from the high stress work of sort of um, political science and in politics to a relatively low stress work of being an artist, artist in a certain sense, because she's able to do that because of her fiance situation and our family situation and being an artist is not stressful if it's your low and, and sole income, because mm-hmm. it's very unstable that way. But when it's a supplementary income, it's definitely something that, and you, you can grow your business and there's creative outlets and she's incredibly talented. So mm-hmm you know, it's been beautiful to see God and God's really called her to that. So it's also cool to see that calling unfold. So there's been lots of good in her story, but I think underlying everything has been this, uh, this ask from God for all of us to just be kind of okay with complete uncertainty at all times. And I think for me, it has been, I remember when she first got sick, like the couple of years she was first sick and I really saw her almost die number of times. It was, it was very, um, it was really, 
you just felt completely powerless. You just realized like, oh my gosh, like my sister's life could just be snuffed out. You know, the first time I think I saw her in an ambulance, like, like with all her oxygen kind of gone, I was like, it was so surreal. I was like, oh my goodness, like this could happen. She could die. And I think those two years, there was a lot of talking in my family. We're very close. And so there was a lot of chatting about like, how do we live this now? Just like, she's out there in the world. Like you can't keep cage her up and like have her yeah. not live. Right. So she's got to live and there are risks, but the truth is, I think what I've come to is like, the truth is we all have to live with that. Like technically any of us could go at any time. And I think her life has taught me that. And it's taught me sort of like this, surrender to just be like, okay. I, every time I spiral, just to remember like, really, actually, she's not in a different situation than I'm in. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was one tough thing, but the other tough thing with her was just watching her process her own reality and the grief that came with that and all of the challenges that came with total upending of her life. Um, and not being able to do anything and just kind of just walking with her. It's really hard. I think we can all agree, both of you guys and anybody listening who has a loved one who has major crosses or sufferings in their life, like, which is probably everybody to some degree. Mm. It's just re it's way more painful to see someone that you love go through something hard when you can't do anything than it yeah. is to go through something hard yourself. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, you know, the first example that comes to mind in terms of people that I've walked walked with in suffering is like my mom who also I need to specifically ask permission because she's also done an episode. So if you want to hear that story in full, <laughs> um, I think it's the first or second episode of our. Mm-hmm. Of our- yeah, second. Yep. Yeah, second episode. Um, but yeah, she, um, I remember, you know, I remember the first time I realized like, oh, something is wrong because I was, this is back now eight, eight years ago, I think. Um, I was living away from home and just chatting with my mom on the phone and all of a sudden she was just like, I'm so sorry. I'm just really in pain and I'm just, I can't talk. And she just hung up and I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. What's happening, you know? And she ended up um, needing to go for surgery. And so she had the surgery and then was recovering and then her recovery kind of plateaued and then declined. And then for about two years, we were just uncertain what was happening and she wasn't able to eat and she was in a lot of pain and, um, we didn't really know if she was going to live or die and she was in and out of the hospital a lot. And, um, so that, and that was, yeah, that lasted a few years until, um, then a couple of years ago, she, well, now four years ago, she, she had another surgery and they figured out what was wrong and they, um, and she's been kind of getting better and almost pretty much back to normal now for a while. Mm. But for that four years, it was just like, yeah, it was, um, it was just a strange kind of time where my life was continuing to move forward. I was, um, I finished my undergrad, you know, internship in that time. I started a new job and then I started, first I started my own business as a music therapist and then I got hired full time and started my career um, in a different way. And so I was doing all these things and my life was kind of moving forward, but it, but then there was also, you know, I was starting this new job and then I was also kind of, cooking all the meals and helping out at home and trying to support everyone. You know, I'm like oldest child, got to take care of the family, you know, kind of thing. Um, and, uh, and just kind of going through all that. So that was, that's been, I think one of the most, I know, you know, of course, I'm sure most of our listeners too, and um, 
mm-hmm. and you guys as well, like have had experiences of just supporting friends in hard times. And that yeah. kind of, you know, the three mm-hmm. of us support each other a lot. We have a little texting group where we're asking each other for prayers for, for this or that, or this person or that person. Mm-hmm. Um, but just like, you know, I think all three of us are yeah, talking about a family member and it's just, it just hits you in a different way, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. How, how have you guys found that, that, that walking with your sisters has impacted you, you know, like mm-hmm. you shared a little bit about that, but I wonder if we can explore that a little bit. Like what, what did, what kind of process were you going through? What did you have to work through? How did it impact you? Yeah. I think, um, I think for me, when you're talking about like cooking and being the one at home to like support people and all of those kind of things, I think that was definitely like, I, I certainly stepped into that role for a while, especially when things first happened with, with my sister and, um, because I was like taking care literally of a newborn and of my four-year-old nephew and, you know, so it's like, you don't have time to like really process anything or kind of think about what's happening. Um, and I think I just realized really the other day, like, so just this past week, we ended up having to go to the hospital and we sat in Emerge for nine hours, um, by the time we got through to the back and actually saw somebody and had some things set up and were able to leave. Um, and it was the day after when I was driving to my sister's house to, cause I usually go out there once or twice a week to like help with the kids and do whatever. Um, and, and while I was driving, I was just like weeping, like the, yeah. the whole drive because, because it's almost like the Lord was opening up the space of like, you feel something about this. Like you feel something about this, which, um, which I think like, I'm pretty good at like shut, like shoving those things or, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, and I know that they're there and it's not that I don't, it's not that I don't want to feel them or that I want to ignore them or anything like that. It's just that I recognize that there are limits to my capacity and that, if I'm going to be there for my sister, my family, whatever, in the way that I need to be there at that particular time, then it's kind of a necessity to, to like shove Mm -hmm. those things a little bit. Um, and it is, it's, it's like responsible, you know, because then I can be present to these two little kids and, you know, and her and, um, yeah, but it was like in that moment where, where I was like, like I was thinking, that there's a lot of fear that I have. Like there's still a lot of fear that I have in the unknown. And I think that's what's hard for me most is because it's not really resolved. So even when I'm sharing this right now, like, Mm -hmm. and I'm sharing it in a responsible way, like I'm not destroyed and you know, like anything like that, but, but it is still very, like, it's very raw for me because it's not resolved. And so there's still like, if I get a text sometimes from her, I'm like, okay, what is it going to, like, what is it going to be? Or, um, or like, what, what is the future going to, going to look like? Or, and it's like a lot of the what ifs creep in everywhere. Cause those are definitely like huge for me, you know, like what if something happens to her? What's going to happen to the little guys? Or what if, you know, like she doesn't get seen by the right people or what there's like a million what ifs. Mm-hmm. And because part of my 
like, like I, I just, I want to love by solving <laughs> in a yeah, lot of ways right, sometimes, right, you know, right. like I know <clears throat> that's a tendency that, that I have to like offer solutions and things like that, which is not always what's necessary, but sometimes it is actually useful. Definitely. But, so it's like, my brain is like anticipating that before it even happens. Um, and so that, that I found, I find is one of, has been one of the hardest things. And then also just to find a ways of, of like really feeling the pain of what it's like to watch somebody that you love just like ache, especially because you know, like, I know that suffering can be crushing. Like I know that it can be. And I know for me that I can, like, I've come to this place in my own suffering or whatever that I can, I can process or like, like I can join it to the Lord. But even for my sister, like she's, she's coming along in her relationship with the Lord and it's still like, like being kind of worked at, you know? So there's not the same capacity or the same, like, um, I guess like regular relationship with Christ. Yeah. Yeah. To be able to process that. So then that's scary too of like, okay, what if it crushes her? Like, what if it does, you know, it's like another what if. So that's a lot of what ifs for me, (laughs) but yeah, but that's, that's what's hard. Most hard. I think. I think in some ways a loved one's suffering, uh, like it's the most, difficult kind to process when you think of God's love. Like I think in my own life, like you can be like, Oh, I'm suffering. The Lord loves me. Like eventually, I mean, sometimes even when I'm suffering, I'm like, wow, you know, I can't grumpy about it. But like when, when I see someone that I love suffering, um, my sister, but even other people, I think on a regular basis, like you want to hear about family or friends or even Aaron, your sister, or, you know, like people that we know that we ask each other prayers for, I think sometimes the stories that I hear, like, it just, it crushes me. Like, I'm like, how, how, Lord, like, why would you let these people go through this? These people love you. They're good. Or like, even forget they're good. Like they're just human beings. Like, you know, like leave them alone. (laughs) And it's like, God is alone, (laughs) which in itself tells you, right? Like what, uh, what a seed of doubt that suffering can plant in my heart, because I mean, the truth is God has control and he does allow these things, but to trust that he knows what's best for people. When I look around and I see people in so much pain, it's, I think it's probably the most challenging aspect of life for me. When I, when I think of God's love, he answers that challenge often. And I think it's, it's just a mystery of how he answers it in my life. And there's a peace that he will give me. But the question always comes up for me when I see someone suffering that pierces my heart, which happens, uh, you know, probably weekly, honestly, because there is a lot of tough stuff out there and close and nearby a lot of times. And I really have to go to the Lord. And sometimes I have to just be like, why, why would you let this happen? Just to get the question out of my system, because it's so like confusing. (laughs) It can be so confusing. So I think it calls me to a deep, it does call me to deeper relationship with God because there aren't answers there. There's not an answer. He doesn't give me the why, but he does give me his presence, but it requires an openness on my part. Mm -hmm. And it's tough. It's tough sometimes. And it's so funny to like, trust, like I can trust you Lord with my life, but I can't trust you with someone else's. Right. That's kind of what, like what both of you are saying, like Aaron, all the what ifs, you know, Mm -hmm. and then Rachel, like talking about this, 
like, do I really trust the love of God if this is what's happening to this person that I love? That doesn't mean I love this person and you love this person, but if right. I can control, I would not let this happen to this person. Mm-hmm. So what is going on? You know, yeah. um, mm-hmm. there's like a different kind of, you know, I think of trust and surrender to like a video game. I don't know why I don't even play video games. <laughs> but there's just like all these levels of trust and surrender, you know, and like if you're trying to trust and surrender on like about something that's happening to someone you love I think that that's like not even on the linear levels of the video game it's like this secret other like dimension that you get portaled into didn't actually mean to go there and all of a sudden you have to like solve these extra levels and you're just it's like why you know yeah. <laughs> I love that yeah like the enemies the bad guys that you have to beat are like totally different characters and you're like what but I can't I can't even yeah I did not yeah. find this i don't yeah. want to surrender this just yeah. let yeah. me go back to just you know why yeah, they- yeah. yeah. that's right yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah and it's like a whole um a whole other like level of um of like like if we're talking about divine providence right that the lord mm-hmm. only allows things to happen to me that are for the good of my salvation period like yeah. period or that he will use for my salvation right, right. um and and so if that's the case, then, it, like, that has to be the case for my loved ones, you know? Yeah, but, yeah. but it's even, like, there's part of a pain, part of the pain of, of like, sometimes not even be able, being able to communicate that with a loved one or to be yeah. able to talk about that with a loved one because it is one of those things of, like, well, what you're undergoing now is just purification. So just thank the Lord for your experience and, like, frig, like, just punch me in the face, you know? I know. And I think that, like, I don't know, I get very careful or very, I don't know, picky about wording with this kind of stuff because I don't, I don't like, you know, you know we've talked about this in other episodes, but, um, you know, people are like, well, God, you know, God sends everyone just as much suffering they can handle or whatever it is. He won't send you more than you can handle. And I'm like, no, there's people go through stuff all the time. That's way more than they handle. And God didn't send it. That's just the world yeah. sucks, you know? Um, yeah. So like nothing, nothing bad was sent by God. Nothing yeah. yeah. sent by God. Um, but that God is the source of all creativity. And so we'll use that for something good, but it's mm-hmm. not good. <laughs> like I just, you know, it's just not good. So I, I'm not, I'm not criticizing either what, what one of you has said, but I think that it is mm-hmm. like challenging. I, and yet though, we have this belief that God will use this that there's going to be something that good ha- that will come out of whatever it is. But it's hard to look at someone else going through something and like how, what, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. You know, I was thinking about my own experience when my mom was sick and thinking about like surrender and trust and those what ifs. And I, you know, I remember this moment where I was just realizing like she might, she might die. Like she's essentially dying and we don't know why she's being kept alive by, all this IV nutrition stuff, but she's, if we didn't have all of this crazy medical care, she would not be alive right now. So mm-hmm. this is already borrowed time kind of thing. Um, but I, I like couldn't psychologically handle the thought that she was, that she might die. It was like, whenever I, I went there, it was like, nope, can't go there. You know, it just felt too right. overwhelming. Right. And I remember praying and it was just like, God, is it okay? Like, I can't, I can't deal with that kind of anticipatory grief right now, especially when it's, when she might, she might be okay. She might live. Like there's still this chance. Like, yeah, I just, 
assume that she's going to get better and not even entertain the possibility that she is going to die. And then if she does, you can get me through that because that's going to suck. But otherwise, I'm just not even going to think about it. I'm not going to, you know. And I and I remember just feeling like at peace with that. I was like, okay, you know, even if this is just like a perhaps not the best defense mechanism, whatever, That's it's okay if that's what I do mm-hmm. because I just couldn't handle a lot of it, you know. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and when I was thinking about that, and for me, it felt like a decision to hope. Is it okay yeah. to decide to hope? Um, but, you know, I've talked with, with people in, in different uh, times about that. And, like, it's like hope plus kind of a denial, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, a mixed bag of yeah. whatever was happening psychologically, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Not necessarily a complete surrender. Yeah. Mm. Right, yeah. Um, right. So I don't know. It's complicated. It yeah, just complicated. it is. And there's layers, like there's so many layers because even I think about like with my sister and like there is, there's refractory pain that goes out yeah. from pain too, right? Like it's like with your mom, it would be like the pain of your siblings and the pain of your father watching it happen to yeah. his wife. It, like yeah. the, um, like I still remember their faces when they were on here, like talking about it and how emotional your dad was yeah. like speaking yeah. about it, like seeing that kind of, pain from somebody else who loves them even you know like like these two like I think about these two little boys and I'm like oh my goodness like the the loss of a mother Mm -hmm. it's and I know it's like you know you know that the Lord is bigger than that like I know that he is and I know that he's good but it's it's like when thoughts and feelings come up against what is known by the intellect it's like it's such a tough it's such a yeah. tough place to be and it's very painful and even that's part of the pain is like yes. knowing that you know this and not being able to like believe it or to feel it you know yeah, yeah. well and I, I think yeah no oh. this went really quickly and then but just I think what you're saying Rachel that that reality or sorry Erin is that like when we're feeling the pain of of all of this stuff and the suffering of what someone else is suffering and what others are going through and feeling that and we're like, I know I should be able to trust God. I know I should be able to think that God is good. I know, but right now I can't because I just feel it. And I think that's just really real. And I think that's mm-hmm. just a part of the whole process, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I was just going to say, I remember, um, I guess, our episode on infertility. Um, uh, when they were talking about the differences between their experience about whether, you know, they were going to get pregnant or have a child one way or another, and I could really relate to, to the sense of like the pessimist, you know, just being like, well, it's never going to happen because we have all this data and the data mean like it hasn't happened for eight years and or nine years or whatever, you know? And so it's not, how can I believe that it's going to happen? And I think that for me is very, like I, my mom in our family is someone who's been praying for my sister's like just total healing for years, you know? And to be honest, like my sister is so much, in some ways so much better, like, or at least the circumstances God's given her circumstances in which she can live, you know, well with her condition in a certain sense. But I, I, I couldn't do that. Like my mom could pray for my sister's total healing and I would pray for my sister's total healing. And I still do, but there's just this part, this stubborn part of my heart. That's like, I don't know, like, I don't know. It's like, you could heal. I know that God could heal her, but I really struggle to believe that. Cause I'm like, you haven't 
Like you could have healed her right away or you could have not let it happen. I think it's just, for me, the data is really hard to ignore the worldly data. And I think recently, you know, I've had many conversations in the last year with, with different really wonderful people of God who keep telling me about, you know, having great expectations. I remember we did another episode. This is like an episode filled with like episode references. So totally. it's not on purpose. I promise, but it's, but there you go. We had another episode called radical hope where we talked to these family friends of mine and they were, you know, who, one of them who's, who's um, working through a cancer situation right now. And, and they were like, they have this incredible high, great expectation of God that maybe not everyone's called to, but they feel really called to, but I just couldn't fathom having that kind of orientation toward God in a situation like that, you know, but I've encountered so many people recently who've said it, God doesn't want us to stay mentally sort of in the limitations that we decide are his, like, stop limiting him. And I don't know what that means. I think that requires a lot of discernment and prudence, but it also requires a kind of surrender and abandonment that it's even possible that God could exceed expectations, that it's possible that God is not at all limited in this situation. And that I maybe should, and I, and I think this is true. I think I should be open to that possibility because it's the truth, you know, and then God can give me the grace if he so chooses to accept that maybe that is not his will in, in this case and to accept that, that his, he's writing a different story, but to, to go into it at the outset, just assuming the worst in a way is not necessarily mm. strong. I think it's actually quite a weak position. And I struggle with that big time. I feel like I'm really good at assuming the worst, accepting it yeah. and moving on, you know, just be like, okay, it's going to yeah. suck. Every it's day almost of my like life. we like we like we like holyify it if that yeah. makes make sense like like I don't want to pray for something that is not God's will like if God has sent this and he is you know or not sent this that's we clarified already God does not send these things <laughs> that's right <laughs> uh, but if if there is if he's allowed this to happen in his permissive yeah. will you know um then like who am I to say to say I don't know, no to that. Or like, there's like, it's like a weird, right? Uh, which so is not guess, right. Like, I guess I'm just going to suffer. Please. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is very weird because it's not God. You know, and there's a, there's an insight here too, I think, because I don't think we do that when we're, when it's someone else who's suffering. We're not just like, well, I guess this is just God's will for your life. That's too, we are like, no this is not, this shouldn't be happening. And we fight for them most of the time, you know, mm-hmm. perhaps that's our, where we are. So that's just maybe a little insight of like, okay, so what about for us? Can we have the same kind of hope and, mm. and trust to like, not maybe fight for our own healing, but expect that, you know, just the same way yeah. that we hope for that and expect that for others. I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yep. I wanted to ask you guys, like you both shared about how walking alongside someone who's suffering has a, has because there's suffering in that for, for, for us too. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we need support. <laughs> so what if, what, if, what has helped you guys in, you know, who's accompanied you while you're accompanying mm-hmm. others, you know? 
Yeah. Well, I mean, I can say for sure that you guys have, um, because like Nicole was saying, we have like a group chat. And so I'll put like, I'll put in the chat when something is happening or when, you know, we just need prayers for my sister or for something that's happening. And it's such a gift to say like, Rachel's okay, I'm going to adoration. I'm going to pray the rosary down. And Nicole's like, okay, praying. Yes. On it. Okay. And then, uh, and then our secret fourth member, whose name I just about spilled right on that episode. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. And then she, and then she was like, okay, praying for her mass, or you know. And it's like these little concrete things mm-hmm. that I'm like, okay, the burden is not mine alone to carry. Because sometimes I feel so much like that. Because, and it's not. Um, like, I think some of it is healthy and some of it is unhealthy, right? Like some of it is healthy in the sense that I don't want to dump my, I don't know, baggage on other or like, um, or like kind of like dispose my pain onto other people in a way that's not, that's not good for them then. Um, but then some of it is unhealthy because I'm like, I need to, I need to be the one to bear this burden or whatever, because I want to spare like other of my family members from, you know, having to feel pain that I'm feeling or whatever. So so that's been helpful. And then, um, and then the other thing that I, that I found is helpful. I keep thinking of these things over and over again is like Ignatian spirituality and, uh, and the rules for the first week, you know, and one of them is in times of desolation to believe that the desolation will end soon. So not mm-hmm. even to hope that it will end soon, but to believe that it will end soon mm-hmm. because it's, um, because it's, yeah, it fights exactly against like what we were talking about, about the like, here's the rational data. Like it says that this is going to, you know, go on for another six years before like whatever, like something like that, you know, but to believe that it will end soon because, because it's a source of hope and because it actually is saying something that's true about God in that he is always working for the good and he is always working to like resolve things or to, um, to heal pain or to like, he's always working. So in that sense, it's, it's true. And then, and then in one sense, it's hard because sometimes it's like, if we hope and then something doesn't change, then yeah, it's like, Worse. it's like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's so true. You're like, I'd rather just be miserable forever and that's know that that's what my, you know, life is rather than like hope that it might be different. And then yeah. I am miserable yeah. forever. Right. And that's worse. The misery is worse. Yeah. Into that uncertainty of, wait, maybe it could get better, but then maybe it won't. And I think that's harder to tolerate almost, you know? Yeah. Yep. But, you know, I think that there is, there's like another angle to that. You know, I think there's like what we want to change, which we, I think should bring to the Lord and mm-hmm. have great hope in, but also there is the idea of walking with God in it, which sounds really lovely. And it's a lot harder than it sounds like less lovely. It's more like, you know, Calvary-ish than like pastoral walking through the fields. But like, the thing is, I think, and this is the greatest comfort for me in my own suffering, but also in the suffering of others. Like when I look at the Lord's life and I look at the passion and I look at the crucifixion and I look at the resurrection, like I really understand, okay, Jesus came to be with us in this and to get us out of it, like to show us the way out. Like the resurrection is the goal. Like it's not, the cross is not the end. The reason we hold up the cross is because it's, it is the mode of our victory. Like that is the way that God chose to show us that even death 
does not have the last say, like period, you know? And I think that is the thing that I had to keep reminding myself of like, okay, I believe in a God who literally defeated death. And so his will for my life and for the ones that I love is the best. It just is the best. There's nothing else. And so I think when I remember that it gives me, I think there's like, there's certain virtues, right? Like that we need in different kinds of times of our lives. And I think when it comes to watching the suffering of another person, you feel really powerless about, and you love them so much, you need courage. Like you You need need courage. courage. Yeah. You just need it. And I, and we can't just make it happen. It's a grace. We have to ask for it, but I think God wants to give it to us. And I think it is the thing that allows you to then decide, okay, right now I'm going to put my emotions aside so that I can do the things I need to do to be there for this person. Mm -hmm. Right now I'm going to be brave enough to look at my emotions so I can process them so that I can be Mm -hmm. fully present and alive and like not this oppressed, repressed, like pain person, you know? So all of that requires incredible amounts of courage that only God Mm -hmm. can give us. And he wants to. So I think that for me has been a huge game changer because anytime I start to feel that kind of oppression, I think now I'm just like, it's not even about feeling better. It's just like, okay, this is a sign that I just need grace. Like I just need it. And so I'm going to just like, you know, we were talking about prayers and stuff like that. I think that's sometimes I remember one time, this is in my own life, um, we were on a call together and I was like, guys, I just, I just am not strong enough to hope. And Nicole's like, Rach, I will hope for you. Like I'll hope for you. And sometimes you just need someone to hope for you. So just ask, you know, and you can get out of bed, let someone pray for you that, that you can do what you need to do the next minute. And I think that's like, that God wants us to do that for each other and that it's possible then to experience a little bit of relief from that, like a that shared burden. burden. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that you talk about courage, even because there's like two like sub components to courage. And one is, this is like a theology lesson. Like a one is attack, which is the kind of courage that you need when you're like d- doing something. Right. And then there's, but there's also endure and that's mm-hmm. patience. Like that's mm-hmm. when you have the courage to withstand something that is difficult, right. you know, and that's like part yeah. of it too. But like even a concrete thing of what you were talking about, Rachel, like walking with God, um, like I totally experienced that in this last trip to the emergency room, you know, because before we went, I prayed to the Lord, like, like, I need you, Jesus, to bring us the people that she needs. Like, we need to see the people that she needs. So I'm just like, I need you to do that. And then when we were sitting there, it, we were so long in the outside part of it without going back. I was like, I'm going to flip my lid. Like, I'm going to, they're going to have to admit me because I'm going to lose <laughs> it. Um, and, and like, I was like, so I'm like praying to Jesus, even in that I'm like being desperate. Like, I need you Lord to take us into the back, please. And, um, and it was like, in that moment, I just felt him saying like, you already asked me to bring you the people that she needs. So I need you to trust me now. Mm. Um, and it was, we Mm. were out there for a little while until just after shift change And then we went back into the back and every single person that my sister spoke to was the most compassionate, the, the most excellent, like healthcare provider. Like she spoke to beautiful people like, Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, 
Yeah. So it was like, it was just a, an affirmation for me of like, oh, you actually do listen. Like you actually do do things for <laughs> just waiting for the shift change. Just like hang tight, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's beautiful. Mm. Yeah. You know, when, um, when I think about what's been helpful for me when I'm accompanying others and I love both of what you're, what you're both saying. And I think my mind goes to really practical things. But I'm reminded, like Rachel, when you brought up the passion, it's something clicked in me. I'm like, oh, yeah. So Mary was accompanying Jesus, right? So she had, you know, those are the like the sword piercing her heart. She was suffering. Yeah. Like, what an example to us. But then what did Jesus do on the cross? He gave her someone to accompany her. He gave her John, right? And I, I just, yeah. in my experience, I remember with, with my mom, like, I'm like, we all need a John, you know, if we're going to be life, we need to ask the Lord to provide us with a John, like just somebody to also accompany us while we're accompanying this person. Right. And I remember, I I don't think I really had that when my mom was sick because I, because I remember, um, there was like, you know, and part of it was, you know, we're all, my whole family was doing this. We're all trying to kind of take care of each other. I'm like, okay, I can't, I'm processing all this stuff about my mom, but I can't go to my dad because like, he's her husband. So he's got it 10 times worse. Like, okay. And then, okay. My other siblings are maybe out of town and they're also younger than me. So I can't go to them because I have, I have to be strong for them. So, all right, I'll just white knuckle it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so and I didn't, this wasn't a conscious thing that I was doing. Right. It just kind of happens. And I think Aaron is like, you're saying there's something that's uh, healthy in that, right. You're trying to do what you need to do. And that's yeah. like, where humans are able to do that and compartmentalize a little bit for a reason. But it just kept going forever. And, but I remember this one time um, where I was, my mom was in the hospital and I was, you know, just there kind of taking my own, my shift of hanging out with her. And, and she had other visitors and people who came in. And, um, and so one family friend she was coming and visited and hang, hung out with my mom and I for a little bit. And then I just walked her after at the end of the elevator. And she just said, like, how are you doing? And so I was like, you know, yeah, I'm okay. Just, you know, trying to just go day by day and just trying to trust the Lord. And da, 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 da. And she looked, she was like, she looked into my soul. She's like, but how are you, how are you doing? And I, I felt like my, whatever Pandora's box of emotion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> carefully kept, bottled up, it cracked open. And I was a mess for the rest of the next couple of days. Like I remember going home later and I had to drive my siblings somewhere and I was just like the worst jerk. I was getting mad at them for everything. Like they were all really quiet. Like they were afraid of me because they didn't know. And they were just kind of like, what's wrong with you? You know, but it was just that I hadn't, I had all of this stuff to process that I hadn't processed with anyone. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden it got kind of unleashed and now I didn't know what to do with it. And I was, I was mad at the lady for unleashing it, but really it was stuff that I need to work, you know? And so it, it just made me think like, gosh, you know, I, I, I didn't know this was a learning experience for me, but realizing, okay, if, if I'm going to accompany someone, I need to be also doing that, you know, as best I can with um, like having that self-compassion and um, responsibility to also have, and you kind of both have mentioned it, but like to have also an outlet for myself to, you know, I, to have a John, whether that is like, actually, <laughs> I know. I was thinking when you said that, I was like, that's also, I want to pull a homeschool card. Okay, guys. Like sometimes I say things that are not 
you know, I don't realize how inappropriate they are until later. Do you know what we're talking about, Rachel? I did just realize that. Okay, I was, like, yes. completely with you, Nicole. Like, in terms of, like, I did not, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think of how it sounded, So to right be away, honest. I thought, oh, my gosh, that's a guy who engages prostitutes. <laughs> that's a pimp. Yeah, and no. I was trying not to laugh because you were sharing something very profound. <laughs> I literally, if you hadn't realized it, Nicole, I would never have realized it. Like this, we would have, everybody listening has probably realized that just exactly what Aaron did. And Nicole and I were just like at the passion, you know, at the foot of the cross, the Apostle John. Yep. And I'm giggling like a second grader hopefully second it. graders don't know that so yeah that's... yeah no second yeah. graders should not be listening to this episode oh, or no. probably a lot of our episodes but yeah that's true yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's <sighs> hilarious but okay. also I really appreciate the point that you were making but that's so funny so you like to have a therapist or a counselor <laughs> talk to you um, like an apostle like a like a have an apostle like the apostle john yes <laughs> the apostle john yeah 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 that's what we're talking about just to be absolutely clear yes. no yeah. i do love that though i yeah i think what i guess a part of my brain is like wow i can't believe we talked about that for so long without me realizing it and i'm trying to move <laughs> on from there um but i do actually have a legit thought which is i wonder you know how like in a way the lord sends his, his disciples out two by two right Mm. And there's like, or like not to, like maybe not all the time, but like there's, isn't there a passage or am I completely being Catholic right now? And no, you are. The Bible yeah. Am I correct? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. So part of me is like, I wonder if that's part of it though, because we need, like, we need the body of Christ. Like we were not supposed to be like, you know, an Island. We're just not. And that's not how God made us. So even in our accompaniment of other people, we need to, and I, you know, in our episode about accompaniment, I think sister, who was it that we had on sister, um, sister Mary Grace. Yeah. Sister Mary Grace. I think she mentioned that. I think she, she mentioned something about that and that's really critical. Yeah. Can't undervalue that. Yeah. That's so funny. We have episodes, we've referenced like five episodes at least. (laughs) You know, this is the the nature of this episode, right? It's about, you know, being with others who are suffering. So then we just talk about all the people that are suffering who've been on our episodes. So yeah. Um, yeah, I think just I had one last thought about that too, which is there there are times I think where in our suffering, you know, we're clearly we wanna we wanna let people out there know like you're not alone. And if you're in that moment of like total just losing your crap and you're just kind of like, I can't take one second of this, we a part of this episode is to to just reach out to that person and be like, you're not alone in that, and we understand that. And I think what part of it also is while we're all still walking that we need to be aware that there, that there is hope. And I think those two things are both really important. It's really important, which we've done, I think in lots of different ways, but it just occurred to me just to spell it out to say like, hope is a really critical ingredient Mm -hmm. in the midst of suffering that we, you know, um, we have a friend, David Patterson, who has uh, his uh, Instagram ministry, Yes Catholic, which everybody should check out. It's fantastic. And Aaron did a, a, an episode with him on Instagram, which was awesome. And uh, he does lots of awesome stuff. And recently, I think he posted this fantastic suffering quote, which I can't remember now, but maybe we can repost it on our on our Instagram. Oh. Anyways, somebody commented, somebody commented under it and was like, Oh, suffering. Like, oh, I feel like I just can't stop hearing about suffering everywhere. Like Catholicism is not just about suffering. Ugh. 
Like it was like a very kind of, I'm so fed up about oh. hearing about suffering. I was like, this lady doesn't even know, like there's a whole podcast that we do out there just this only so about great. suffering. I love it. Oh, the but, quote? Yeah, so, yeah, sorry, go you it. go and then I got it. No, no, no. Refresh us all about the quote. So this is the quote from St. Gemma Golgani. If you really want to love Jesus, first learn to suffer because suffering teaches you to love. Mm-hmm. And then the the comment on it was, I'm so sick of, so oh sick of su- the suffering narrative. Catholicism is all about suffering. Sick of it. Like, yeah. Oh, oh that's man, what I the hear person you. said. Yeah. yeah Catholicism yeah. is all about suffering. And I was like, ooh. That's not true. Catholicism is not all about suffering. Like, you know, but mostly about suffering. (laughs) 98% suffering. With a side dish of resurrection. That's that's right. right. That's right. Um, No, but I think when I read that, it just sort of made me chuckle. And like, I really appreciated that person because I was like, yeah, I get it. Sometimes, you know, we got to remember that that the the resurrection happened like and we have we are people of the resurrection you know the cross is the sign of victory yeah you know and that like this is something that I feel like I think about theoretically but find it hard to actually think about when I'm in a difficult situation but that you know if 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 we're walking with the Lord and we're going through these little deaths with you know dying to self like sufferings in with the Lord that every single one of those sufferings will have a resurrection mm-hmm. without exception. Amen. Yep. And Amen. so whatever, and, and we don't know what form that, that resurrection will take. Maybe it's going to be in heaven. Yeah. But I think often it will also be on earth that there are going to be elements of resurrection and joy and, you know, that happen. Mm-hmm. I, um, I have, I have some friends who there was a, a really tragic, situation that happened with with a relative of theirs and I don't I won't go into details but I, I didn't ask permission to share the story so I'll just share it without sharing it um but there it was just one of those situations where you're like how could any good possibly come out of this situation there's there's just yeah. no way um but that I was I was talking with them again kind of a few months after the the, the tragic event happened um and they started to describe how sort of different key people in the in in, you know, who were involved, who had never, ever been interested in faith, all of a sudden had this, like, we're seeking God and we're, you know, we're coming to church. And they were like, it was just like, well, this is interesting. Like, what is, what are the, what is these like seeds of new life that are, you know, makes you think of like a burnt forest. And then you have that first little sapling that starts to grow out of it. Right. Um, Just like that ever, there's going to be some, some sort of resurrection with everything that's happening. Like, but then we forget that. Yeah. Because I think that we, 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 you know, bringing it back, we forget it's more vulnerable to hope for that resurrection than it yes. is to roll over and accept the suffering. You Absolutely. Know? You do that. That's not what it means to be Catholic. It yeah. is called it's continued yeah. hope, which is, that's hard, but yeah. that is the reality. And when you're at the cross, like the cross feels eternal. Like it feels know, eternal right? in that, in that yes. moment, you know, because every second is so painful that it makes time longer. But then you think about it, like a fun experience and it's like, you look back and you're like, oh my gosh, that went by so fast or something like that. Right. But it makes me actually think of this one episode of Poco a Poco, um, which is a great podcast. If you haven't checked it out, checked it out, the CFRs. Uh, and Father PT was talking about how the sites of Jesus, Jesus' crucifixion and the sight of his resurrection are not far. Like he mm. would have most likely been able to see the spot where he would resurrect from, from the cross. Wow. That's and that's not, 
unintentional. I think that the Lord has like arranged his own death and resurrection in that sense of like a close enough physical proximity. So the, so the one action, like theologically, the one action is like, like a single action, you know, like the death and resurrection of Christ. It is like inseparable, you know, but even physically, like in the space, it's like, now as it stands the spot of his crucifixion and the spot of his resurrection are in the same church and you don't even have to go outside to walk to get from one to the other like yeah you just reminded me and i know we have to get to godwin soon but you just remind me of um you know there's a cardinal in canada cardinal lacroix um and he gave a talk at a rise up conference once that i was at and it was or i don't know a conference i was at and um he talked about in scripture, the depiction of the crucifixion. We often think that it goes dark at the moment of Jesus's death, but he said, actually it's dark in the time of his, like his agony on the cross. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And when he dies, the darkness actually breaks. Hmm. And I remember, I just was like, I never knew that. Like, that's so crazy, but it's because it feels so dark in, in the moment, in, you know, in, in the agony, you just, you feel like there is no light. It's, and this, it's so crazy because the death, the surrender, really the death is surrender. That's, that's really what God is asking of us in, in these little deaths that we have, like in the surrender, really the darkness breaks the true surrender, which is always hopeful. Like there's always hope because you, you can't surrender to a God that you do not trust or you do not hope in. Surrender is a choice that is, it's a gift almost. Like, you know, you know, when you think of two people who love each other, they give to one another. They're not, they're not coerced into it. They freely are gifts to one another. And I feel like in that, in my suffering or in the suffering of another person that I have to surrender my will to God, it's not surrender until it's a free, there's something free about it. And he works on me and he, he gets me there slowly mm-hmm. over time. And there's no shame in not being there yet, you know, but Eventually, when there's like that free, like, okay, Lord, I trust you. That's actually the darkness breaking already. Like there's a, there's a, there is light already entering into that situation. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. so cool. yeah, that's beautiful. That's yeah, beautiful. Cool. Well, thanks. Thanks, ladies. Good to chat about this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My mind went back to everybody needs a John. <laughs> <laughs> We all need a job. Oh my goodness. This is so beautiful. I love how real it is. Yeah. So, uh, would you like me to share my Godwin on that note? Okay, so um, my God wink was, I've been, season changes are always really hard for me because of the fibromyalgia, it like screws with my system and I feel like way more tired than usual, I have more pain than usual, all those kind of things. So, um, so I've been feeling that way, like it's starting to lift a little bit now, but definitely September and October for sure. And I was talking to my spiritual director and I was carrying around so much guilt about like, mm-hmm. about not being able to pray in the way that I can usually pray or that I desire to pray because I just, it also affects my concentration and my like 
so I just can't, you know, like I can't, sometimes I can't read stuff in front. Like it's, it's ridiculous. So anyways, um, so I was telling her about that and she's like, listen, sometimes maybe your prayer just has to be laying on your bed and then just telling the Lord that that's what you're going to do because you can't do anything else and just be with him in that, you know? And it was like something so simple, but but it was such a weight off of my shoulders. And then I went out to Walmart afterwards and I was in the store and I was looking for something I think to wear to somebody's wedding mm-hmm. um, at Walmart of the places where one <laughs> goes to shop for very fancy clothing. Uh, and uh, and then I was like getting frustrated because I couldn't find anything. And then the song from Lauren Daigle came on. It was like, look up child. And so I was like, that's nice, Lord. Like you're sending that when you know you're telling me like it's okay and then I looked up and right in front of me was this exactly the kind of like cover <laughs> thing that I was looking for and I was like oh no literally you, you <laughs> wanted me to look up like that's, that's so awesome like nice on a couple of levels you know like existentially and like but actually just for real yeah right that's right yeah. Aaron your husband is so funny yeah <laughs> I know he really is. He's got a very good sense of humor. Yes, he's kind of perfect. It's kind of true. <laughs> That's yes. amazing. I'm yeah. gonna ask for that. Like, Laura, just direct my vision for That's all right. the things that I want. Well, just look shopping. up, child. You know, That's really. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Really is sweet. Oh, all right, well, friends, thank you for listening. And uh, I was gonna say, look up. That sounds really. <laughs> 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 uh, okay. Have a wonderful rest of your day or night or whatever you're listening. God bless. God bless you guys. God bless. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode of In the Thicket. If you like what you hear, give us a rating and hit that subscribe button. We have new episodes every Monday with more stories and honest conversations about life when the going gets rough and the hope and humor amidst it all. We'd love for you to join our community on Instagram and Facebook at In the Thicket Podcast. While you're there, let us know how we can pray for you. God bless and see you next week.